This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Welcome to our expert interview, and I'm thrilled to have with me today, back for the second time, Randy Crabtree. Good, good day, sir. Welcome. Rob, it's great to be here again. It's always a good time. Randy, we did a, a wonderful interview with you last time about what makes a good accountant great and how they stand out, how they become promotable and accelerate their own careers. And that was fascinating to talk about self-awareness and building on your strengths, finding those passions and sharing that knowledge. Today, we're going to take a different tack with you. And you and I have both a shared experience of having gone through a major life trauma. So today, we're going to talk about overcoming adversity, building mental resilience, dealing with mental health, stuff like that. Before we dive into that, why is that relevant for the accounting practitioners, the CPAs out there to hear stuff like this? Well, in general, I mean, mental health in general is just a much larger issue than I think people even realize. And mental health in general for the last two years that people have been cooped up has been significant. And in just an accounting industry, you know, you're putting in some crazy hours for a certain portion of the year and that drains on you. That drained on me. That's one reason that I ended up, you know, 15 years ago, merging my firm in with another firm and starting the specialty firm Trimerit that I, that I have now is just because that was a draining issue. So, so, you know, the dramatic, traumatic of, of events that you and I went through, there are, there are things just within everyday business that people are dealing with that uh, you know, may not look as significant, but are, are significant. And you're based in the USA, I'm based in the UK. When you talk to accountants, do you, like I do, get a, an overwhelming sense that they are tired, they are overloaded, they are at the edge, if you like, of what they can cope with, given all the things that are going on? Yep, and I'm not as uh, up to speed on uh, the incentives and, and what's going on in the UK. I know it's been this very similar to here, but our, our, in the US here, our, our tax preparers, our CPAs, are in basically year three of a nonstop tax season. I mean, that's the way it's been. So they are, they are stressed. They are burnt out. They are, you know, tired, like you said. And, and, and unfortunately, that's not going to stop anytime soon. So anything you can do to uh, alleviate some of those stresses, I think is extremely important. Mm. I had a guy over here in the UK who wrote, the line, a slower day is not coming. How many things do we say? I, I'll read that book when I've got a bit more time or I'll deal with that issue when I, my diary is a little bit more freed up. I've got some time in my calendar, but that slower day, it's not coming, Randy. It's getting more and more relentless, isn't it? It is. You, you would think with, you know, everybody talks about AI and technology and, you know, maybe helping our lives. It just, it, it, it really just keeps things, you know, more hectic. It, you know, there are things that change. There's always going to be change. And that's, that's a stress on people too. This is changing. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years and now I have to do something different in my practice because something's changing. I don't want to deal with that. And so that's just a stress for people as well. And accountants as a breed, they're not known for their agility, their ability to cope with change. The accounting profession, as we call it here, you call it an industry, it's been ever thus. Nothing much has changed. So when you throw something like COVID or recession into the mix, that ability to pivot, accountants are not well known for that. And as a result, often they struggle with coping, don't they? They do. And, and, and you people couldn't ignore that the last two years. You had to change. It isn't, you know, uh, what is the saying? Sally, same as yes. Wait, what is it? Same as last year. Um, Sally, um, it wasn't same as last year. It's not the same as last year. You have to change that. That is coming. You have to be resilient. You have to be able to change. 
I've seen during the last two years, I've seen some very big success stories in the accounting profession um, compared to where businesses were before. I think that's accelerated the, the need to change. I think that's accelerated. I mean, simple things. We're in the office today. Tomorrow we're remote. Are, were we set up for it? If not, we accelerated that change. We had to, we had to accelerate that operation. Um, but that's also been positive. My clients also used, they were all geographic in my geographic region. Now I can deal with clients all over the world. You know, if I have a certain niche practice, that's changed. So people, you know, they just have to, to, to deal with it and, and stay with the times. And you can't be, you, you have to be agile in today's world. True. You talk about the successes, but equally there have been failures. There have been accounting firms and accountants that have fallen short, that have not been able to cope. That's why we have the great resignation. That's why we have professionals asking, is this worth it? Is this where my life's going? Is this what it's all about? Is this what I signed up for? So there are some that either won't cope or can't cope and are looking for a different path. Yeah, and 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 honestly, I mean, if we go to the 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 theme of the the traumatic events that you and I uh, both dealt with, which was stroke, you know, um, eight years ago when I had my stroke, I didn't feel like I could cope with it anymore. I didn't think I could deal with the business anymore. And we kind of talked about this last time uh, when you and I talked about the whole you know, self-awareness and looking at yourself and what are your strengths and all that. But when my stroke happened, I didn't, I honestly didn't think I'd be able to work much longer. I just mentally couldn't stay with it. I couldn't do it. Um, and that's when I, that's when it took me a few years, but I looked at myself and figured out strengths and weaknesses and passions and, and what I enjoy doing. And I'm at a point now, eight years later, eight years ago, I didn't real. I didn't think I could work much longer today. I can't see stopping. <laughs> just because of the way that, uh, that I've changed my outlook on things. And to me, it was, it was honestly, it's hard to say the stroke was a blessing because it's not. I mean, nobody wants to have to deal with that. But the outcome, I'm very happy with where things are now. And your stroke, was it brought on by the lifestyle that you had or was it completely out of the blue? It was completely out of the blue. It was, you know, these things can just happen. So um, when I had my stroke, it was actually two months after I won a no three months after I won a fitness contest. So I was in some of the best shape of my life. I, um, I, I honestly, I work out all the time anyways, but that was, I was doing extreme workouts then. And, and, uh, and so I was in great shape. I was, you know, I probably 35 pounds lighter than I am right now, which just means I need to get, uh, I'm in the gym all the time, which is in my house. Um, but uh, that, that for me, I don't think it was work related. I don't think it was stress related. I was in great shape. Honestly, for me, it was just a fluke thing. I ended up having a hole in my heart and nobody knew it. And that hole allowed a clot to bypass my lungs and go up to my head and get stuck and, and cut off blood flow. Wow. And without getting too biological here, a stroke for listeners, if you haven't come across it, is any kind of blockage or bleed in your brain. And uh, I had a bleed. So I just got a black belt in kickboxing. So I was in pretty good shape. I just hit 50. And out of the blue, I started getting these migraines, which were mini bleeds. And then after a few months, it just went boom. So it forces what you're kind of calling a recalibration, doesn't it, Randy? You start to look at what's important, what really matters. Yeah. Oh, oh, you do for sure. And again, this is, we talked about this before, but that, that, that made me reevaluate everything. And honestly, it, it part of it was you know the stroke, but part of it was hey the stroke was a, a, a one-time event. Part of it was mentally dealing with the stroke afterwards, 
And for me, that was a long, that was a long recovery, mental recovery from that. But during that mental recovery, that's where I started to do the whole, you know, evaluation and, and deciding what I wanted to do. And even when I made the change, and I had told you this before, but the change happened about four years after the stroke, the change in my role in the business, I still at that point didn't realize that I would have so much fun and passion with what I'm doing. And I really, at that point thought, well, I'm going to try to stick around three years, you know, after after doing the whole self-evaluation, after getting mentally uh, um, healed, uh, um, and I and I do feel mentally healed now. Even after that, I still didn't realize that what that change was going to mean to me personally. And now, you know, four years after that change, like I said, I can't I can't even consider stopping. I this is way too much fun. And we talk about stroke; it's a major life-changing event. You could put in heart attack, cancer, Alzheimer's, these kind of things. They don't discriminate, really. They hit anybody. You can be young or old. A friend in my daughter's class, elementary class, a few years ago, she died of ovarian cancer, age 11. Now, what is all that about? So let's take God out of it for the moment. That's a whole other conversation. But uh, these things come upon us, and we find that nobody's immune from shit. Stuff happens to everybody, whether it's you or somebody close to you. All of us are contending with some something you don't know anyone in your life, and neither do I, for whom life is absolutely perfect. So things are happening, aren't they? And we've got to we've got to deal with it some way. Yeah, for me, dealing with it was, I mean, uh, after my stroke, and this is just things that happen, whether it's a stroke, whether it's a heart attack, whether it's you know dealing with the, you know, I, I can't even imagine the death of a child that that, that those poor people had to deal with. Um, you, you just don't know what that does to you mentally, and and. Probably six months after my stroke, I was sitting in a restaurant with my family eating and out of the blue, I just had this breakdown. I just like one second I felt okay. And then the next second I'm, I'm just crying my eyes out. I'm shaking. I have no idea what's going on. And I think that was the start of, you know, me actually realizing that I was having mental health issues related to the stroke not because of the stroke, not a, not mentally affecting the inside of my head, but, you know, not physical, but mental. I just couldn't, you know, why did I have a stroke? Is it going to happen again? You know, uh, you know, will I survive if it does all this stuff and all these things just start going through your head, which happens in business too. I mean, it doesn't have to be the stroke. It could be, you know, other questions, but for me, that started it. And then I, I, I just ended up for four years, you know, on and off having, a breakdown, having many panic attacks, a couple major panic attacks. And what I needed to do was seek out counselors for help. And so that, again, that you can do just in general. I, 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 you know, I never thought about going and seeing a therapist before the stroke. After the stroke, it took a while, but then I did. And I think in general that what people are dealing with in business right now, not even right now, I mean, pandemic's one thing, but not even right now, just in general, there's stresses out there. Getting somebody you can talk to, somebody that you can share, you know, you, what's going on with you um, is extremely important. And uh, I think that that's, it doesn't have to be that traumatic effect that you, uh, event that you and I went through to just still do that. And, and being a little bit sexist for a moment, it's harder for men in a way. We don't admit frailties and vulnerabilities. Women are much better at talking to one another and having best friends. But for a man to offload, 
share that they're having some problems, admit that they're struggling. You do that on the playground when you're young and you'll get beaten up. So we learn, don't we, to keep that stuff in, internalize it and cope on the outside. But on the inside, we're going through some stuff. Oh yeah, no, it, it, for sure. And it, you just have to, to deal with it. I, I, I went through three different therapists and I think part of it was, you know, the first one was, well, I don't like what she's saying. This is what <laughs> I think. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Not, you know, not wanting to be as open as I should. And I think that's exact. It, it took me to the third one where it, it finally kicked in that, hey, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything, which is surprising because everybody would think I know everything, <laughs> but I don't know everything. And and I should listen to the, the knowledge, kind of like what I say, sharing knowledge. They're sharing their knowledge and their expertise with me and I've got to let that be absorbed. Yeah, you burned three therapists. That takes some going that round in. There must have been a, <laughs> a lot of stuff going around in your head. You know what? I, I honestly, what would happen is it, it would either kick me, kick in when I'm at a conference. I don't know why it would be, but I'd be at a conference. I think it's because I'd be away from my family maybe. And so I'd start to get a little, you know, I used to call it melancholy feeling. Yeah, angsty. We might say angsty here in the UK. Yep. And I would get this. And then the people I was with that I worked with would notice it. And they'd say, hey, let's go take a walk because they knew something was happening in my head, which was good. I think it's important. One thing I think is extremely important is you can't. And you said that we kind of internalize. You can't. You can't hide it. You can't keep it a secret what's going on, because that's where it just builds and builds and builds and builds on itself. So when I was going through this, you know, I let the people I work with know what was happening. I let my wife. She knew everything, you know, because it scared the hell out of me. I mean, it my mind was telling me things that I didn't want to hear. And so you have to not keep that a secret. You have to share it. You have to let it out there because if you don't, I mean, I honestly, it, 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 you know, I, I could break down crying if I think about this too much, but I, I honestly didn't know where I was going to go. It, it just, and, and the third therapist finally helped me kick in. And for me personally, sorry, this is not the the, the Randy Crabtree, Crabtree show here, but but for me personally, I finally just came to a point where I'm sure the therapist instilled this into me where it's like, I just, if some idea came into my head, some thought that was just make me feel down, I would honestly just say, F you, you're not real. You don't exist. Get out of my head. I am not listening to you. And somehow that worked. Um, but that was after you know time with therapists. Let's just, there's so much good stuff in here, Randy, and us both being vulnerable, I hope he's helping the listeners. Let's take a moment to acknowledge the significant others in our lives, because we're in the middle of it, and it's all happening in our head, but we've got wives, kids, relatives, good friends, business partners around us, trying to get inside our head or comprehend what's going on and treat us or help us or support us. In so many ways, it's harder for them, isn't it? Oh, it is, because they don't know what's going on. So so the th part I get most, most emotional about when just thinking about the stroke was the reaction my parents had when they heard. I mean, that just because they have no control. I mean, I'm living it. I don't have any control, but at least I'm there and I know what's going on. They have no, and they actually, I live near them, but they ended up being out of, out of uh, town at the time. And, and when I hear the story of, of their reaction, uh, I can't even imagine that, you know, being a parent myself now and thinking that your kid's going through something like that is just unbelievable. And then the, the, and, and that continues. They don't know what you're happening after you're out of the hospital. They don't know how you feel. They don't know what's going on. And that unknown was, is, is tremendous. The positive I had is, and not everybody has this, 
but my family was so supportive and and I know some stroke survivors who honestly don't have family to support them and that's just tough to go through without what whether it's a stroke or whether it's cancer or whether it's heart attack or whether it's you know loss of a, a family member if you have family there lean on them and hopefully they'll be there to support you and I was very fortunate they were what advice can you give to the accountants listening it could be any profession obviously but we're talking here on the accounting influences podcast about super smart people, sometimes a little bit socially awkward. They don't communicate very well at the best of times. They're all going through stuff, trying to live their life personally, trying to live their life professionally, trying to do a great job. They're very honorable people, but they could be going through some physical stuff, some mental stuff, some social stuff. We must have something to pass on to those guys that are contending with something, right? Oh, well, I mean, the one for me is honestly, you know, um, if you are dealing with something, share that. And I just mentioned that before, but share it. Don't keep it secret. But but also, if you're dealing with something, you can't just ignore it. You can't just dig deeper into what you're working on right now. If I dig deeper into this, that's going to go away. No, you have to acknowledge that there's something else happening. You have to share whatever that is, is happening. And you have to take time for yourself. I mean, I know CPAs that you know take pride in the fact, or accountants, chartered accountants, CPAs, that take pride in the fact that, hey, I had 3,000 billable hours this year. Well, I feel terrible for you. You know, <laughs> I, I do. I think that's great. Do good money, but you need a passion outside of work. You need to do something that you could take your mind off these nonstop work, 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 work. And so it's important, not only those other things I say, but it's important to have, have a, an activity that you love to do that is not work related. And I think that makes you a lot more well-rounded and releases stress. That's very wise. I had a HR human resources person say that when we hire people now, we ask them what their interests are outside work. And if they say nothing, my job is my work, it's my life, it's my everything, they don't hire them. Because they know that if the job goes wrong, if there's a problem at work, that's all they've got. Got nothing else to recharge the batteries. They've got no point of sanity or foundation or platform or people they can talk to because they're so isolated. Yeah, it's extremely important. We do, we do, uh, when we hire someone new and I don't know. And I don't, again, I, I only do the things I like now. And part of it's not, I don't hire <laughs> anymore. Um, but so I don't know the process we go through, but when we do hire, we discuss uh, what their passions are outside of work. And we put that on the website, which I think I see a lot more businesses do. And, you know, Sally enjoys hiking, um, you know, whatever it is. And, and so we make that important. I am a huge fan of, and I don't know if you're familiar with John Garrett, um, John Garrett wrote this book. It's called What's Your And? And in parentheses. And so it's, you know, okay, you're the auditor, but and you play in a rock band and you, you're a, a craft beer enthusiast and, and it's your and which makes you who you are. The auditor doesn't make you who you are. It's the and portion of, of that is what make, what you are. And that's so extremely important to everybody has this and. I, I taught John Garrett, Every time I talk to somebody, we personally uh, uh, try to do that. When I hire, not I, when we hire someone new in the business, I try to reach out as quick as possible on a Zoom link or a Teams link and just say, hey, you know, great to have you here. You know, tell me what you do, you know, that's not work related. What do you have fun doing? Do you travel? Do you do this? And getting to know people that way is so important. And I think people knowing that you like to hear about that and you're 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 interested in that helps them and i think it helps the whole environment be less stressful as a business sure and just to bring this to a close there's a role accountants can play in this because they are at the heart of businesses and families 
and they know more than anyone often about what's going on. So in a way, they've become therapists, psychiatrists, coaches, counselors, mentors to a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs out there. So asking the questions, being a bit vulnerable themselves, but also getting their clients to open up, that's good for everyone. Yeah, and that honestly, as accountants are adding new services to their to their business, something like that's not a bad offering to somehow, you know, somehow your 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 new service offering to your clients is creating a corporate culture that people want to be involved in. That's a new service offering you have, uh, you know, and so you're already learning that. Like you said, you're already knowing that your clients are already there open to you. Now go out there and do that. All right. This is an idea. Rob, you and I are going to do that. That's probably what you're doing already anyways. But yeah, no, that's great, Randy. Thank you so much for your, your passion and your insights today. That's been a, a very vulnerable episode, a kind of different show to what we normally do, but we're in challenging times and it needs people to step up and step out and be a little bit brave and courageous, not just for their own good, but for the good of everyone. Any closing remarks, Randy, and sending our listeners off with some inspiration? Well, the inspiration that, that, that I always like to say is, you know, find your passions, make your passion your work. If you can do that, you're never going to work in a, a day in your life. Amen to that. Randy Crabtree, thank you so much. Thank you, Rob. It's always fun. Thank you.